With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hall of Fame coaches, national champions, lottery picks, the best minds in basketball. Welcome into the sidelines with Evan Daniels. What up, college basketball fans? Welcome back to the Sidelines Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Daniels, college basketball insider over at FS1, as well as the director of basketball recruiting at 24-7 Sports. Today's episode is the 84th episode of the Sidelines Podcast, and the featured guest is Marquette head coach Steve Wojciechowski. His second appearance on the podcast was glad to have him back on. Our conversation dug into a number of things. We talked about his mentors. He obviously mentioned Coach K. We talked about his current team, Marcus Howard, who I think uh, will contend for Big East Player of the Year. We got into his freshman, Joey Hauser, and, and Brendan Bailey, who recently took a Mormon mission and is now starting uh, for the Golden Eagles. And after that conversation, I jumped into a couple topics in college basketball and then broke down a couple topics in the recruiting world. It is signing week, so that's what we talked about at the end of this podcast. Before we get to that conversation and the college and recruiting topics, I want to make sure that you are subscribed and supporting the Sidelines Podcast. The best way for you to do that is to shoot over to Apple Podcasts and or your favorite podcast app. Hit the subscribe button for me. Leave a rating. Leave a review. You can also shoot me a note over on Twitter or Instagram. My handle is at Evan Daniels. Would love to know what you think about the podcast. Without further ado, let's jump to that conversation with Marquette head coach Steve Wojciechowski. It's time to go minimum with Evan Daniels. Send it in, big fella. Now let's welcome in Marquette head coach Steve Wojciechowski to the Sidelines podcast, making his second appearance on the show. Coach, how are you? Thanks for having me. I'm glad I did well enough on the first <laughs> go-around to be invited back. I appreciate that, my man. Yeah, of course. You earned a second appearance. How was the offseason for you? And obviously, you're two games in, but how was the offseason? Offseason was good. As you know, there's not really ever an offseason. You're always doing something to try to grow and improve your program but uh i think our guys got better uh our programs uh moving in the right direction and and we're so excited that the season is finally here yeah you're uh, gearing up for your fifth season at marquette i can't believe it's actually been that long what's been your favorite moment running that program so far well i think uh the growth of the program and uh, you know i feel so fortunate to be around unbelievable people on a daily basis, whether it's my staff, uh, the Marquette community, and, and then most importantly, my players. Uh, we have great kids. I mean, they make me proud with the way they handle themselves in the classroom, off the court, and I think we have a chance to be a really good team this year. So that growth and that process, you know, has, has had some ups and downs, um, but through it all, we're at a point now where I feel really good about our program and, and the health of it and the potential of it. What about from your basketball career in general? You, you played at Duke for four seasons. You coached there for 15 years. Uh, you've been at Marquette starting on your fifth year, as I mentioned. In your eyes, what's the accomplishment that you're uh, most proud of when it comes to basketball? Well, you know, Evan, basketball has been so good to me. 
And, um, you know, I'm a true believer that the ball has magic in it. And the most magical thing the game of basketball has done for me is allowed me to build and maintain some incredibly special relationships, whether that's the people who have coached me over the years or the guys that I've played with or now the guys that I've coached. Uh, The ball has brought some of the best people uh, in the world into my life, and, and that's the thing I'm most thankful for. I mean, obviously, I've had a lot of good memories from a basketball standpoint, whether it's being a part of national championships or gold medals, et cetera. But, uh, you know, now as I look back, the greatest thing that the game has given me is the relationships that I've been able to develop. You mentioned relationships, and obviously you've been around uh, some pretty impressive basketball minds, but who who do you turn to when, when you need advice or, or you're looking for help with your team or uh, you need to, to lean on somebody? Who, who, um, who do you go to when you're in those situations? Well, I have a great group of friends that, you know, are obviously still intimately involved in college basketball and specifically college basketball coaching. And, and uh, you know, one of those happens to be the guy who coached me and Coach K, and, and uh, we still uh, maintain a, a very close relationship. And he's a guy that I would go to as I'm trying to build the program or figure things out. But a number of the guys that I've played with, Chris Collins at Northwestern and Jeff Capel, uh, at Pittsburgh, I mean, we, we stay in very co- close contact. Quinn Snyder uh, out in Utah and Johnny Dawkins at UFC, you know, I mean, UCF. I mean, those are all guys that uh, you can pick up the phone and call at a moment's notice and, and talk about the different things that come your way as a college basketball coach, whether that's, you know, dealing with success or handling adversity or, or all the things in between. Well, you mentioned Coach K. I'm sure there's – a hundred things you could point to, but is there, you know, one particular piece of advice that sticks out that, that he's given you over the years? You know, I think he gives this to all his guys that are in coaching and, and that's to be yourself. Um, you know, I think he, you know, he, he recognizes that, you know, his coaching tree, all of us have strengths of ours that have allowed us to, to get to this point. All of us have things that we need to continue to grow at while we're doing those things. And, and, engaging in that process of becoming better and becoming more you have to stay true to who you are um, you know as a person and and put your personality uh, and stamp on your own individual programs. Now you mentioned this is your fifth year as the head coach at Marquette what's been the biggest difference for you and your team this offseason maybe compared to the previous four? Well this is the deepest team I've had and one of the results of having a deeper team and is the competitiveness of practices uh, has risen and the competitive the, the competition for floor time and minutes is much greater than it really has ever been since I've been here and I think that's really important because uh, obviously I believe iron sharpens iron and having a competitive uh, mentality each and every day should raise everybody's level and that's probably the biggest difference from the teams that I've had in the past year. It seems like expectations are higher this year. I assume that's something that you welcome. We want high expectations. You know, we want people to believe that we are not only a good team, but a really good program. And and I embrace them. I'm used to that. That's something that I've dealt with since I was a, you know, a teenager uh, from my playing career. And then obviously throughout my coaching career, I've been at places that people expect 
and have high standards. And that's what you want. I mean, you want people to think highly of your program, of your kids, of your team, and your potential to do big things uh, in college basketball. You added some really strong pieces this last year, Steve, Ed, Ed Morrow, uh, Joseph Chortnoy, and, and freshman uh, Brennan Bailey and, and Joey Hauser. How has the integration of those four players to an already strong core been? Has that been difficult? No, oh, it's, it's, it's going to be an evolution, and there's going to be a process to it because, as you say, you know we have a number of guys who have played prominent roles in the past for us and done well, but we have to integrate a new core group of guys that bring something different to the table and can make us better. Fortunately, the kids in our program have embraced that. And, you know, I have guys that I believe whose ultimate mission is to win and and become the best possible team we can be. So, you know, there's been a uh, an open-arm welcome uh, to the new guys in our program. I think everybody recognizes that they can help us be better. And that is a, a positive for, for everyone in the group. Your all's offense was tremendous uh, last year. How do you go about trying to maintain one of the elite offenses in the country when you are adding so many new pieces that are going to play such big roles for you? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not sure we're going to be quite as good offensively as we have been maybe the last two years, uh, especially at the start of the season. Hopefully we can grow to that as the season kind of moves on and as the, the newer faces get adjusted to what we're, what we want and what we're trying to accomplish and learning how to best position them to be successful. I do think we have the potential to be a, a, a really good offensive team down the road, but we're, we're not there yet, but we're working to get there. Uh, I'm curious, Steve, uh, from a recruiting standpoint, you know, you've, you've had some guys that could really make some shots. Uh, obviously, you have Marcus Howard now and Andrew Rousey last year, but you've got a bunch of offensive weapons. Is that something that you really focused on from a recruiting standpoint, is recruiting guys that can could shoot the basketball? You know, I think in today's basketball in general, not just college, uh, you know, the, the more shooting that you can have, the better it's probably going to be for your team. You know, at the end of the day, you still got to put the ball in the basket and we recruit guys with high character. We recruit guys who want to take advantage of everything that Marquette has to offer. Uh, and we want guys who are skilled, who are players, who you know, can't, can't necessarily be defined by one position because they have the ability to pass, handle, shoot, and think. And so we've tried to look for all those things and the kids that we brought in. And I think we've been you know, fairly successful in doing that. For sure. And while known for, for your offense, uh, my understanding is there was a big concentration on defense during the offseason. Where do you think that stands after playing your first two games of the season? Yeah, I mean, obviously, Evan, there's no secret that the, the greatest room for our program to grow is on the defensive end, and uh, we've not been up to standard in that area. We focused a lot on it in the offseason. I think this group has shown a greater commitment to the defensive end. Certainly they're well aware that if we want to do the things – uh, that we say we want to do, uh, we have to get a lot better on the defensive end. You know, even though the season is is in its infant stages through the first two games, I thought our guys have shown a good defensive commitment, and that's got to continue. Marcus Howard has been off to a ridiculous start, scored 37 points against Bethune-Cookman, hit seven threes. I think he's got a chance to compete for, for Big East Player of the Year. I assume you do too. 
it, it seems like he's developed his all-around game too, though. We, we know he can score. He had 16 rebounds, 12 assists in those first two games. Is that something that, that he's focused on? Yeah, you know, obviously with all our guys, there's there's areas in the offseason that we talk about that will allow them to take the next step as a player. And, and, you know, Marcus, I think, really embraced that, understood that if he wants to continue to improve, he can impact the game in more ways than scoring. We still want him to be a scorer because that's what he's wired to do. But the fact that he's our leading rebounder, he's got a 3-to-1 assist-to-turnover ratio, and that he's played really good uh, on-ball defense uh, through the early part of the season uh, has been very good and has shown uh, some growth and maturity in his game. Now you told me at Big East Media Day that, that you would put uh, your two freshmen, Joey Hauser and Brendan Bailey, up against any freshman in, in the country. From spending time around those guys, recruiting those guys, what makes those two so special to you? Well, first of all, they're great kids and they're they're really willing learners and they're team first guys both of them have good size and length and versatility and basketball iq i think they're winning players you know they're going to play you know both of them should have a big role on our team this year neither one of them is close to you know where they're going to eventually be at as players but you know you bring highly talented kids in who just want to help and contribute and make our team better where it's about the name on the front of the jersey and not the name on the back of the jersey is one of the reasons that I like those guys so much, and I think they add so much to our program. It's obviously still early. He's, a, he's just played two games in his college career, but it, it seems to me, and maybe just because of my background in recruiting and having watched Brendan Bailey so much and thinking he's a really good player, that most nationally don't seem to be aware of him yet. I guess it's because he went on that Mormon mission, but, I mean, this is a kid that, that can really play. Yeah, Brendan's going to be a really good player for us. And, and, yeah, I think, you know, anytime you're out of the spotlight, which he was for two years on his Mormon mission, uh, there can be a tendency to forget about him. Certainly, we never forgot about him in our program. <laughs> but he's, uh, you know, he's going to be a really good player. He's got great length. I think he's got a great hunger to, to learn and get better. He's a very good shooter, very good offensive rebounder, and a willing defender. So, you know, Brendan is still just scratching the surface of of where he's going to get to. You know, two years away from the games, a long time, but he's he's certainly made a positive impact on our program to this point. I'm curious, you know, you mentioned the, the two years away from the program. How does that process work? You know, obviously he's on the more of a mission, but you recruit him and, and he commits and then he doesn't play for, for two years. How, how often did you keep in touch with him through all of that? And, I mean, were you guys able to um, give him certain things you wanted to focus on? Or how did that process kind of work? Well, obviously with the, the Mormon mission, there's some pretty strict guidelines in terms of communication and then what a young man's able to do while he's away. And, and uh, we wanted to respect that. Um, so our communication with Brendan uh, pretty much in, entailed our ability to email him once a week on Monday. And we would catch him up or with where our program was at. We'd also encourage him, uh, you know, as he was away from home doing something that was uh, obviously really good for him, but at times tough. And I think Brennan's come back from the mission a better player, a better person. Uh, I think he's gained an invaluable experience of perspective, of maturity. And I think it's allowed him uh, to be in a position where he's more ready for college than he would have been two years ago. So it's uh, it's a positive thing, 
even though we weren't allowed to have a great deal of contact with him. Uh, Joey Howitzer's brother, Sam, had hip surgery this past summer. See, what's what's his progression uh, been like? Obviously, he's back in the lineup and he's playing, but it's still uh, something you got to work through, I'm sure. Yeah, you know, I mean, obviously, the hip issue last year bothered Sam, especially there at the end of the season. He had surgery directly following uh, the end of our season, and uh, it was a long rehab process. But like everything Sam does, Sam attacked it. Uh, he's back, um, and the hip is 100% healthy. And But anytime you take a significant time away from the game, it takes a while to get your legs and your timing and all those things back to uh, back to where it was. And, and Sam's going through a little of that. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, we're a better team when Sam Hauser's on the floor, so whether his legs are completely back or not. And, and, and that will come. I have complete confidence in that. And, Sam's a, gr- a great teammate. Um, I think he's a great college player. Um, he's a, a team first guy to the ultimate level, and uh, is a, is a is a tough matchup. I'm a big fan of his game. I have been since high school. What's the upside for him? I mean, he's just so versatile. He can do things on both sides of the ball. Um, I just think there's a lot of potential there. Yeah, no, I think Sam you know, can continue to grow as a player. I think through his first two years, he saw a lot of growth. I mean, last year he's putting the ball on the floor and attacking the basket more. Uh, his post game uh, became a weapon for us, you know, as the season evolved. I think he can still get better in those areas. Um, just his experience and his ability now as an upperclassman to be a leader, a leader and have a leadership role is, is hugely important. Because Sam's a guy, even as a freshman, set a great example. Now he's got to do that, not only through example, but also through uh, vocal leadership and sharing his experiences of the things that work and things that we have to avoid. And so uh, I love having Sam on my team. Um, he's, He's what I would hope every Marquette player would be like. I'm sure you guys were pretty excited to open up and, and get in the, the new arena this year, Fiserv Forum. What, what kind of impact um, can a brand-new arena like that have on, on the program from a recruiting standpoint, from a fan engagement standpoint? I'm, I'm sure you guys are pretty pumped up to get in there. Well, it's as good a place to play uh, a college basketball game as there is in the United States. It's state-of-the-art. It was built for basketball. It's a great court. You know, from a recruiting standpoint, obviously the kids that have seen it recognize that it's an elite level building. Uh, through our first two games, our fans have been phenomenal. And uh, it's a place that uh, can get rocking. And I think our fans feel more a part of the action than they did at the Bradley Center. And, uh, you know, we're going to need that as we try to take the next step as a program. You and the Bucks will feed off each other. They're off to such a great start, too. Yeah, it'd be great. Maybe they'll let us be honest for a few games still with this, uh, this upcoming gauntlet of uh, games we have. <laughs> uh, that'd be a healthy addition, right? <laughs> that'd be pretty good. I'd be a lot better coach, I can tell you that. <laughs> you guys play Indiana later this week uh, in the Gavit games. What's the focal point in your preparation for that game, Steve? Well, we have great respect for the Indiana program. I mean, it's one of the you know top programs in all of college basketball with the history and tradition. I have great respect for Archie and the way he coaches and how hard his kids play for them and how well they're organized. It'll be a great challenge for us. But it's a game that if you're a college basketball player, you want to be a part of. I mean, it's a big-time game. And I'm sure their kids realize that. Our kids certainly realize that. And 
it'll give us a great appreciation for exactly where we are uh, as a program and the things that maybe we're doing pretty well and things that we have to get a lot better at. A little off topic and and shifting gears before I let you go. You guys are one of six schools that are sponsored by Jumpman. Is that something that you guys utilize in any way from a recruiting standpoint or something that that comes up with recruits? Yeah, I mean, kids love the Jordan Rand. I mean, it's, I mean, without question, I don't think we've ever had a kid on campus that (laughs) has not been excited by the fact that we're sponsored by Jordan and Jordan does such a good job of servicing and providing for our program um you know i think it's a it's a great thing and our kids love it uh we love the association that we have with jordan and all the people that help our program uh, within the brand and uh, certainly it's a positive for our for our team and program i'm a i'm a big judger of, of are you asking for shoes is that why you asked me that question <laughs> no I, I i got plenty i'm good <laughs> I'm I'm a I'm a big judger of uniforms though, and and you guys I think have my favorite uniform in all of college basketball. Well, you know the uniforms in Marquette, you know, well that's been a staple well before I got here. You know, you, the the they're very unique. They've always been cutting edge. They've always been a little bit different than the norm and the standard, and uh, that's something that we tried to continue on, and uh, and will try to continue on. There's a lot of Carolina blue in those uniforms. It's championship blue around here, Evan. <laughs> uh, last question. I, I noticed a back and forth between you and, and Tom Crean uh, on Twitter. Obviously, he spent quite a bit of time at, at Marquette. Have you guys communicated much, and, and you know what's kind of the relationship there? Obviously, he has got them to a Final Four. He had a pretty good, strong history there. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Coach Green did an amazing job here at Marquette. And, and my, my one of my roles as the head coach of this program is to be the caretaker of the entire program. And, uh, this, this is a program that's had great history and tradition throughout decades upon decades. And, and certainly our engagement with the former players who've made uh, this program what it is and the coaches that have made this program what it is, we always try to honor them. And we always want them to feel part of what they built because their DNA is a part of the program. And, and so, yeah, Coach Green's done a great job, at, you know, at really everywhere he's been, but especially at Marquette, you know, taking it to a Final Four and, and coaching great kids and, and great players. You know, it's, it's something that I've tried to do is reach out to the people that have made this program what it is and still want to be a part of it in some way, even if they're not still here. Well, Steve, I know you're busy prepping for uh, Indiana. I appreciate you taking out the time and, and jumping on the podcast. Enjoyed the conversation. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. I'd like to once again thank Marquette head coach Steve Wojciechowski for taking the time out and jumping on the podcast. Enjoyed that conversation. Now I want to shift gears to a couple topics on college basketball and a couple of topics in the world of recruiting with signing day rapidly uh, approaching. We'll start with the college basketball. Two things that I saw from games in the first week. I want to start with Providence's A.J. Reeves. Was recently named Big East Freshman of the Week. Not many players in college basketball started out their college careers like A.J. Reeves did. 29 points in his first game of the season. Seven of nine three-pointers. Can you imagine hitting seven three-pointers your first college game? Has 48 points through two games. Nine of 14 from three. Uh, 17 of 23 from the field. What a start for A.J. Reeves. I remember uh, at Big East Media Day in Madison Square Gardens, I was 
talking to Ed Cooley, and he was absolutely raving uh, about A.J. Reeves and, and how much he had helped them in the preseason and the way he was played, even compared him to a young Paul Pierce. Obviously, A.J. Reeves is off to a tremendous start. Javon Quinterly was my pick for Big East Freshman of the Year, but it sure seems like A.J. Reeves is making a huge statement to start the season. Obviously, there's a long ways to go, but what a start for this freshman. It sounds like he's going to make some serious noise in the Big East this season. The other thing that I saw this week, and obviously Duke was tremendous, and Zion Williamson and Cameron Reddish and R.J. Barrett were tremendous, but the guy that I think was forgotten about a little was the other freshman, and that's Trey Jones, brother of Tyus Jones, a five-star prospect, was number two overall point guard coming out of high school. I think he had a, a really good week, um, just 14 points in those two games, but he also has 14 assists in those two games, seven assists in each of them, uh, turned the ball over just twice. I think he's probably the most important piece to that Duke puzzle. Obviously, that wing talent is tremendous. I think it uh, overwhelmed Kentucky in their first game. It, their athletic ability was very impressive. I don't know that I've seen uh, a couple guys just dominate another team from a physical and athletic standpoint like they did against Kentucky. But I, I think Trey Jones is a guy that um, is as important to that team as anyone in the country because he's going to uh, really make those guys better. Uh, this is a kid with tremendous vision. Uh, he knows how to run the point guard position. Uh, he's tough. I think he's a pesky on-the-ball defender. And uh, coming out of high school, what was considered to be his weakness was three-point shooting in two games. He is three for three uh, from the three-point stripe. So R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson and Cameron Reddish, they deserve uh, plenty of love and attention, especially the way they scored the basketball, uh, over 150 points between the, the three of them in, in two games. But I, I think Trey Jones is a guy um, that is deserving of some, some credit and love too, and I, I think he's a tremendous basketball player, and he's been off to a, a pretty good start for a freshman as well. Now let's shift gears to recruiting. The signing period is upon us. It starts on Wednesday and runs for seven days. Among the biggest topics in the recruiting world, and, and maybe even the biggest, is what is James Wiseman going to do? And the reason this is such a big topic is twofold. One, he's the number one player in the country. Number one in the 24-7 sports composite rankings, seven feet tall, seven six wingspan, nine three and a half standing reach. The physical tools are there. He's mobile. He runs the floor. He's got offensive potential. He's got defensive potential. It's a kid with significant upside. The other reason that this recruitment is a big deal is because of the dynamics of it. He played for Penny Hardaway in high school. John Calipari in Kentucky targeted him early on, and if Penny doesn't get the Memphis job, it's most likely that James Wiseman ends up at Kentucky. He takes five visits. He visited Kansas and Vanderbilt and Florida State. He's down to those five schools. I spoke to his mother, Don's Lay Artist, this past weekend. She told me they do not have an announcement date. They have not made a college choice. It's up in the air whether James Wiseman will make his college decision during the initial signing period. Remember, the original plan was for James Wiseman to make his decision in the spring. Then at USA Basketball in late October, James Wiseman told me that he was going to try to knock this out in the early signing period. Now, it still could be a possibility that he does make his decision during the early signing period, but it's Monday afternoon, and he's yet to decide if he's going to announce during this early signing period. I actually think at this point it'd be unlikely that he signs during this early signing period. In terms of where is he going to go, that's a great question. I admittedly don't know the answer to that. I don't think James Wiseman knows where he wants to go yet. I think Kentucky and Memphis are certainly the two schools, but I think Florida State is dabbling in there as well. It'll be really interesting to see what happens with James Wiseman. That's the number one topic in the recruiting world. 
Now, which elite prospects are going to make their decisions in this early signing period? Well, Vernon Carey just finished up his last official visit to Michigan State, but he's up in the air. He hasn't said that he's going to announce during the initial signing period. My last conversation with Vernon Carey was a little over a week ago. He told me at that time that he was going to wait until late November to make a decision. If he does that, then it won't be in the early signing period. Uh, Again, he visited Michigan State this past weekend. It was his second official visit to Michigan State. He's also considering Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina, and Miami. If I were going to narrow that thing down, I would say that Vernon Carey ends up making a decision between uh, Michigan State and Duke. He hasn't said that. That's my gut feel on the recruitment. Cole Anthony, number three ranked player in the 24-7 sports composite rankings. He is not making a college choice during this early signing period. He's been pretty adamant and blunt that he's going to wait this thing out. He recently narrowed his list. He's taken official visits to Oregon, Notre Dame, and North Carolina. If I were going to pick a leader right now, I'd say it's North Carolina, but he's not going to decide until late in the spring. Jaden McDaniels and Isaiah Stewart, these are two prospects that are in similar positions. They've each taken a bunch of visits, but they each want to take one more visit. Isaiah Stewart told me earlier today that he's working to finalize a visit date to Duke. Uh, I asked him if he could make an early decision. He said he could, but I, I, would be, I would be personally be surprised if he ends up doing that. I think he's going to take that visit to Duke and then try to hash this thing out. In terms of Jaden McDaniels, visited Kentucky this past weekend. He's been to a couple other schools, Washington, San Diego State. I think that uh, there's a good chance that he ends up taking a visit to UCLA before he makes his choice. Uh, So I I would imagine both those guys get out of this period without making any type of decision. So question is, who does end up deciding during this early signing period? Wednesday morning, Drew Timmy has scheduled an announcement for 8 a.m. Central Time. The finalists include Gonzaga, Texas A&M, Alabama. Um, He's a top 50 prospect. It's going to be a really good get for whoever gets him. Chandler Lawson, the brother of Diedrich and K.J. Lawson, the guys over at Kansas, he's going to make his college announcement during the early signing period. I spoke to his father, Keelan Lawson, earlier this week. He said that they are definitely going to make a decision. They don't have an announcement date yet. Another four-star guard that I expect to make this decision is Lester Quinones. I think LSU is probably in pretty good shape for him, but he's got a bunch of other schools recruiting him. It's a kid that can really shoot the basketball. I was really impressed with the way he played during the summer. One name to keep an eye on that we haven't discussed, Keon Brooks. It's possible that he makes a college choice. He's got a, a bunch of schools on him, Indiana, Kentucky, uh, North Carolina. Um, it's a possibility that he makes a college choice, but it's, it, it's not a foregone conclusion. Before I let you guys go, I want to make sure that you are supporting the Sidelines with Evan Daniels podcast. The best way to do that is to shoot over to Apple Podcasts and or your favorite podcast app. Hit the subscribe button for me. Leave a rating. Leave a review. Also, would like to know what you guys think of the podcast. You can shoot me a note over on Twitter or Instagram. The handle is at Evan Daniels. As always, thanks for listening and have a great week.